here almost eight months, and people with more severe crimes have gotten less than what I was given. I want to also apologize for this mistake. I, I, I said in my first court that yes, I plead guilty. Uh, I did not intend to do this, but I understand the charges brought against me. And I just hope that that is also taken into account too as well, that I, that I did plead guilty. The word has come down in a Russian appeals court. Brittany Griner is going to stay in jail for a little while. Hello again, everybody. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb, and this is the Transporter Room, the intersection of sports, transness, sci-fi, gaming, all things nerd and geek, and a lot of other stuff. But we won't be talking about much sci-fi because the real-life dystopia is continuing at home and abroad. And abroad, WNBA superstar Phoenix Mercury Center Brittany Griner saw her appeal denied by a Russian court on Tuesday. Her sentence will remain at nine years. Now, part of the ruling is that the court stated that the time Griner will have to serve in prison will be recalculated with her time in pretrial detention. According to Griner's lawyers on the ground in Russia, the total sentence may come up to around eight years. Reaction from Washington was rather stern. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said in a statement, quote, We are aware of the news out of Russia that Brittany Griner will continue to be wrongfully detained under intolerable circumstances after having to undergo another sham judicial proceeding. The charge d'affaires of the U.S. mission in Russia, Elizabeth Rood, had this to say to reporters immediately after the ruling. It is honestly tragic uh, that Ms. Greiner had to spend her birthday last week in a Russian prison rather than at home with her family and on the basketball court with her teammates. Um, nothing in the previous sentence, nothing in the result of today's appeal changes the fact that the United States government considers Ms. Greiner to be wrongfully detained. If you want to know more about the situation and what you can do, check out a supporter website, wearebg.org. Elsewhere in Outsports right now, a story by former Colby Sawyer soccer captain Cooper Gunn. Now, Cooper Gunn graduated a couple years ago, and while he was on the team, he came out to his mates while on the team and also schooled his mates on why speaking out against homophobia matters. And let's just say that the lesson stuck even after Cooper Gunn left the yard. Excellent read. Check it out. Also, Sid Ziegler got his hands on a pre-World Cup report that says that Cutter is cutting up with the World Cup coming up. Arrests and abuses of LGBT people are on the rise in the host nation of the World Cup. And by the way, the first match kicks off less than a month from now. Check out this article. It's very important. Also, I had, I had an article in right now that tells you a little bit more about our guest last week on the Transporter Room. 
high school golfer, real Pearlstein. You want to check that out. And there's more on the news of the last week. And that news surrounded a young man at Hampton University named Byron Perkins. Byron Perkins is a six foot three inch, 192 pound cornerback on Hampton's football team. He's also a captain for the Pirates. And last week, he said, quote, I'm gay. This is who I am. This is who I've been. And this is who I'm going to be. In an interview with our own Sid Ziegler, he said, quote, I have been self-respective and trying to prioritize what makes me happy and what makes me feel alive. I thought it could just be football and school, but there was a component missing. And recently, I've been able to figure out that I haven't been fully happy because everyone didn't know who I was. Authenticity is everything to me. Along with the authenticity came a measure of history. Perkins is the first out player at a historically black college or university ever. Now, this was an upside on a week that had some downsides. After all, Hampton lost that homecoming game last Saturday to Richmond, 41-10. Perkins had something of a quiet game. He had one assisted tackle, and he defensed one pass. But still, that doesn't take away from the importance of the moment. Some observations. First, yes, there was the usual suspects. Who cares? Why is this news? Why is this a big deal? It's a big deal because people like you continue to make it one. Because you continue to say, who cares? But we all know what who cares really means. It means, why are you putting your business out on that? And I don't like it. Second observation was the exact opposite of what I saw from a number of individual Hampton alums on their social media. One of those is a guy named Trey Riddle. He's a 1992 graduate of Hampton. And he was gushing. He said, quote, nothing but respect for this young brother and fellow Hampton University Pirate. Your Hamptonian family is with you, Byron Perkins. There was another Twitter that I read where a person said, I saw you at the homecoming parade before the game. I just had to come up and give you a hug. Keep doing what you do, young man. And even outside the campus, but inside the blackosphere, there were more kudos for what Perkins did. One of the largest came from the National Black Justice Coalition. NBJC celebrates Hampton University defensive back Byron Perkins for inviting in and becoming the first HBCU football player to do so. And then they quoted what he said in his Instagram. This is who I am, this is who I've been, and this is who I'm going to be. While others did that, the school didn't. The athletic department didn't. No statement from Hampton University's administration, not even a statement perhaps from anyone involved with Hampton Athletics, like the athletic director. And to me, that's a fumble. Because of my third observation, what happened has the potential to open some needed conversation, especially within my own community. And what Byron did, it is a big deal. And it's worth more than a who cares. 
Because what Byron did just by taking the step to come out, that'll do a lot for someone who's closeted, perhaps on that campus, perhaps in a high school, perhaps anywhere, who can't catch a football, but they still want to bust through the line and bust through that closet door and find the wherewithal to be themselves. And this can open the conversation to how do we make spaces, whether it's the locker room, the barbershop, or even the church pew, more safe for people to come out and do what Byron did, safer to invite in. As someone who recently faced that and found support and found love where I didn't think it was going to be, that's worth speaking out in solidarity and standing shoulder to shoulder. To Byron Perkins, good on you, young man. No, you keep covering those receivers and remember, nothing cheap, nothing deep. It's that time. The Transporter Room Election 22 Update. And this week, we're going to take you through some of the debates. Yes, we're going to give you going to give you some soundbite politics right now. Mainly on the questions involving transgender citizens of our country. Now, trans issues have become a hot-button culture war, if you will, issue in this off-year campaign that'll probably break new records for voter, voter turnout. But notice that these answers to these questions often don't make your local or even your national news. So you, you hear that these things are a thing, but you don't hear how these candidates actually stand on them. Well, for these next few minutes, we're going to change all that because we're going to take a look at three governor's races and the and direct questions that were asked of the candidates and how they answered them on two critical trans issues. The issues of trans students being included in school sports and the issue of affirming care. Now, our first stop, Kansas, the home of legislator and friend of the podcast, Stephanie Byers. The incumbent governor, Laura Smith, Democrat, against Republican challenger, former Attorney General, Derek Schmidt. They got the direct question on trans athletes. Here's what they said. Both of you have been running ads, by the way, that reference transgender Kansans. What policy changes, if any, would you make to how transgender individuals are treated in sports, housing, locker rooms, or bathrooms? And it starts with you, Derek Schmidt. Well, I've been very clear on my position on this issue from uh, day one. I think that it is a matter of fundamental fairness, and I do not think, as a matter of law or policy, that people who are biologically male ought to be competing in women's sports. I think that is counter to the purpose of Title IX. I think that is fundamentally unfair to uh, female athletes, and I think that ought to be the law in the state of Kansas. So as I've said, I would sign that Fairness in Women's Sports Act into law without hesitation. Laura Kelly. You know, I actually played a lot of girls' sports and women's sports, and I did it pre-Title IX. So the issue of fairness in women's sports has always been uh, in the forefront of my mind, and I do believe in basic fairness. Uh, nobody should have an unfair advantage. But that's exactly why we have governing bodies like the Kansas State High School Activities Association 
and the National Collegiate Athletic Association to look at cases on an individual basis, have the facts in front of them, and, and make rulings. You know, Derek's claim that I support men playing in girls' sports is just so absurd. It is not happening here in Kansas. We really do need to focus on the issues of true concern to people, our education, our economy, our health care access. Just a note about Derek Schmidt. Schmidt was one of the people that brought in your favorite spoil sport and mine, former University of Kentucky swimmer turned trophy tantrum thrower Riley Gaines to campaign for him. Hashtag just saying. Next stop, Arkansas. And this state has definitely been in the news because right now they're the target of a lawsuit over their anti-trans legislation, which banned affirming health care for youth in Arkansas. And that has caused some people to leave the state. The Democratic challenger, Dr. Craig Jones, against Republican candidate, former Trump Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders, they were asked the question about the legislation and the lawsuit. Here's what they had to say. Our incumbent governor vetoed legislation that is now being tried in federal court. He said the bill went too far. Had you been governor at that time, would you have sided with him or do you think the bill should have actually passed? Was that you? Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones. We use issues like transgender care and health care uh, as divisive political punching bags. There's a child at the end of that conversation. There's a family at the end of that conversation. I don't question either one of my opponent's love for their family. I don't question their desire to make their, the decisions for their children. And I wouldn't question any other Arkansans. What we have to do is make sure we're loving each other. Uh, so as a scientist, and as a minister, and as an engineer, I would listen to what the science says and make sure that we're allowing parents and families to make the key decisions that they need. One of the most important, and frankly, one of the most basic roles of government is to protect the citizens, particularly those who can't protect themselves, like kids. I would have supported this legislation and I would have signed it because we have to do a better job of protecting the kids in this state and frankly across the country. Kids are not capable of making life-altering decisions like that. There's a reason we have laws in place that protect kids from driving before the age of 16, voting before the age of 18, before we allow them to make decisions about smoking and drinking and wearing a seatbelt, because they are not capable of making adult decisions at that age. And we need to do a better job of making sure we not only protect them in this instance, but across the board. We can and must do a better job, and it is the most basic fundamental role of government. And we come to our third stop, and this is interesting. This is the Colorado governor's race. Incumbent Governor Jared Polis, Democrat, against Ch Ch Republican challenger Heidi Ganahl. You probably heard of Heidi Ganahl. There's this rumor that kids are identifying as cats and dogs in Colorado schools. That's candidate Ganahl's doing. She said that. Don't believe me? Roll the tape. Have you heard about this story, kids identifying as cats? It sounds absolutely ridiculous, but it's happening all over Colorado, and schools are tolerating it. 
where are you getting that and do you believe that's true? Well, I'm out on the campaign trail talking to parents every day and this is this really weird phenomenon that's happening in middle schools and high schools. It's actually been going on for a couple years. It's called furries and kids, you know, kids are, they've gone through a really tough time and they're struggling. So I have a lot of compassion for kids that are having, you know, difficulty right now, but schools tolerating kids dressing up as cats is not appropriate. Have you seen any specific examples of this though or not? Many, many. And um, we have all the parents across the Denver metro area at least sending emails and examples to the reporter who wrote that story and the other reporters who are interested. Interesting what people will do for to get a vote. Well, in their most recent debate, she tried to walk that back. Kinda. Some transgender youth say your comments are harmful. Do you have a response for them? I have compassion and love for all kids. As those of you who know me know I've fought for kids my whole life. In the last couple decades, I started three different nonprofits to help kids. Moms Fight Back, the Fight Back Foundation, the Bowel Buddies Foundation, and the Free to Be Coalition. I am so passionate for kids. I was on the CASA board. I love all kids, and I'm happy to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with them. If I said anything hurtful, of course, I would absolutely apologize. That was never my intention. I love children, and I want them all to be successful and loved. And I have so much compassion for any of the kids that are struggling right now, whether it's reading, writing, mental health, gender issues, whatever the problems are, we've got to have compassion and love for all children. Thank you. Governor, would you like to add anything? You have 30 seconds. If so, we'll, if not, we'll move on. Well, I mean, these things, cats in the schools, these are distractions. We need a governor that's going to focus on improving our public schools, reducing class size, attracting and retaining the very best teachers, improving our training, training programs, making sure that we have a great school for every kid. That's what I've been focused on as governor. No distractions, delivering free preschool and kindergarten. I'm going to continue to work to make Colorado schools the best in the nation. You think this was tight? There's more of this to come, and there's been a lot of this in this campaign. The good thing is, election day is 13 days away. And just a reminder, if you can still register to vote where you are, do so. It's your democracy. Participate in it. And that's the red alert, Claxon. You know what that means. Got to take a break, give love to the sponsors. But when we come back, you heard of comedians in cars drinking coffee? How about trans women in cars drinking coffee? It happened. And it was pretty cool. And I'll have it next. I'm Carly Chardonnay. Webbs is the Transporter Room. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Transporter Room. I'm your host, Carly Chardonnay Webb, and last week I got to do something pretty cool. I got a phone call from a Jacqueline McLaren. A Jacqueline McLaren is a producer for Combate Global. And she said, can you get down to Brooklyn, New York? We need you down here. We'd like to get an interview with you for a project we're doing. So I jumped in the car, drove down to Brooklyn, and get there. And first, I meet a direct meet who's directing this project, an Emmy Award-winning videographer and filmmaker named Mark Perez. Perez is a co-founder of Cirque Multimedia down in New York City. 
He's worked on a lot of interesting things. And as they're explaining what's going on and leading me up into this sound setup that they, this studio setup rather that they have, I run into Alana McLaughlin. Yes, that Alana McLaughlin. I got to meet the MMA fighter in person. I met fangirling a little bit, <laughs> grinning from ear to ear. A good day just got that much better. After the interview, after some B-roll shots, getting to hang out with Alana a little bit. Alana needs a ride back to the to her hotel. So, hey, why not? I said, why not? I'll hook you up for a ride. Along the way, we stopped off to get coffee. And that led to trans women in cars getting coffee. And we had an opportunity to talk about what she's been doing now what she's planning to do in regards to MMA in the future, and just her general view on the passing scene. Check it out. What led you to sign into this project? Uh, I mean, same, same reasons it got me to fight, you know? Um, I mean, sure, there's part of me that, you know, I want to be remembered, but it's really more about making more visibility for the trans community. Um, just making space for us, that's the important thing. You know, if it takes being out in public where people can see it, then, then that's what it takes. Has it even hit you yet that at least in this community, you're considered as something, at least as a folk hero? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It still feels, it feels weird. It feels weird. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that special. I would beg to differ. I mean, my claim to fame is that I can take a punch or, or, or a series of punches. It's not really much of a skill. One thing is, how frustrating has it been? It's been a year plus. Yeah, it's frustrating as hell. Um, and I, I'm going to be honest, I'm pretty, I'm pretty salty because uh, that fight, if I were a cis woman, that would have been like a contender for fight of the night. People would have been excited about that fight. You know, it was like Rocky movie shit. It was a, it was a great fight. It was, hey, I, it was a great fight, man. Have you watched it again I have. since that night? I have. Um, I watched it a few times. Mostly, initially, all I could really do was pick apart my own performance and get really angry about it. Uh, you know, coming straight down the middle instead of coming offline with my punches. Um, there was that point in the first round where she went for kind of a, a lazy takedown up against the cage, and I sprawled on her, hammered her in the ribs a couple times. And uh, if I had been training a proper game plan, I would have stayed there and tried to take her back and ended the fight, you know, a round sooner. But um, in camp, most of the people I was sparring with were short wrestlers who would take me down and shove me up against the cage. So my instinct was to get up immediately. So, of course, I hit her a couple times and got up and then got beat up the rest of the round. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, but no, like, uh, I've, I've watched it a few times. Uh, I think I like watching it better without commentary because, uh, you know, commentary can definitely like color your perception of a fight. Um, and that's, that's always been true. But, uh, the English language commentary, especially, um, yeah, I, I think I liked it better without the commentary <laughs> because then you just, you see the even fight, a pretty, pretty even fight, you know? Um, and everybody wants to talk about, uh, oh, you know, you, you just shrugged off those hits because you can't be knocked out because magic bones or some shit. But like... 
Celine shrugged off my best fucking shots, you know? Um, how many times did I catch her with that overhand right and she staggered back into the fence? One, would you consider a rematch with Celine Provost? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to fight her again. But I don't know if she'd want to fight me again. Um, we've, we've been in touch a little bit. Like, we've, we've chatted on Instagram once or twice. But, um... Yeah, she was. I know she was saying she wanted to take another fight, but I haven't seen if she has or not. She seems to be a pretty private person. She's not very online, um, as opposed as opposed to me. I'm like terminally online. Even though uh, even though you are online, you do you do manage your privacy. I I try to, I try to. Now, it's kind of important. Throughout all this, throughout this last year, especially, what are some of the things you've been doing to keep yourself grounded? Therapy once a week helps. Um, <laughs> Beyond that, mostly just um, trying to train when I can, spending time with friends. Uh, and like I said earlier, you know, if I don't have a fight coming up, I like to eat. I'm going to eat. Yeah, I noticed. Notice the way you were taking that ice cream after the fight. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> now, one thing, one thing I want to do I know. Oh, I earned I'll, that. I'll admit, I want to I give a little homage to my ego here. I'm going to give my ego a little bit of stroke. Why in the world exactly did they call Carly Webb to do this thing? <laughs> uh, you know, I I feel like uh, trans folks in the sports world, whether it's commentary or athletes, are kind of hard to find these days. And you are a known quantity, so they reached out to you. That that would be my guess. They haven't told me shit. Uh, getting information out of them is like pulling teeth, you know. Um, I, I found out the schedule for this morning, uh, yesterday afternoon. I just want you to know that when they told me I was going to get to meet you, it, it was like big deal. It was huge. And, and I'll was say weird. that. I, I've never been impressed by celebrities. I, I think uh, like my, my biggest celebrity uh, interaction before meeting Chelsea Manning was uh, accidentally crop dusting Keanu Reeves at a ramen place in, in L.A. Crop dusting Keanu? I, was, <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. There was like one bathroom in the place. And uh, I was on my way out of the bathroom out of, after doing my business, and I just about ran into Keanu Reeves, who was going in. So, um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what was it like meeting Chelsea Manning? I mean, somebody who's on par with you in regards to how people feel about a particular trans person within our community. I mean, I think she's probably had a lot more vitriol directed her way than I have. Um, and I think she's handled it with uh, a pretty big amount of grace. Um, and I, I don't envy her position. Uh, that said, I mean, I think being being trans in the public eye in general is going to be a difficult thing no matter what uh, right now. And actually, I think that might... Oof, uh, that's okay. Re yeah. Recalculate. <laughs> Oh, it thinks you're on the road above us. <laughs> no. Welcome to, welcome to GPS in yeah, New York. Yes. Getting, getting to meet a Chelsea Manning, which is somebody who, by the way, Chelsea, I want to beam you up, Chelsea. Beam her up on the track. Yes, I want to beam her. I want to beam you up, Chelsea. I'm going to tell you that right now. I want to beam you up. Let's do it. Let's make this happen. One thing that's happened in this year, because I want to get your take on it. You've got a hotly contested governor's race in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And the Republican opponent has ran the ad with Riley Gaines and Leah Thomas in it. Yeah, see, I go out of my way to avoid watching most uh, TV stuff, so I've luckily not seen, not seen that. <laughs> well, one thing is... Just otherwise, I'd just be in a state of perpetual rage. What's, and, your, uh, what's your thoughts overall on the fact that Leah Thomas is still a thing? Um, I mean, it's, 
what is there to say? It's unfair. It's shitty. It's scapegoating. And I mean, that, that's what they do with trans women in sports. We're their next big boogeyman. Uh, they lost the fight for marriage equality, so they shifted their focus to us because they know we don't have the support that uh, that gay marriage did. And then, of course, once they're able to take us down, they'll you know gay marriage will be right back in their sights. We just saw Roe versus Wade fall, and that was settled law since the seventies. Uh, and here we are. Here, here we are. And so. now they're they're already talking about going after Obergefell. Yeah, yeah. And I mean that, that's what I'm saying. It's it, it is supremely frustrating. Um, yeah, we, we do whatever we can. We fight however we can to, uh, to maintain something. Full, full disclosure, I went on a Leah Thomas rant in that interview. Mm-hmm. I went on a rant. I, I, I have sharp ears. I, can <laughs> I went on. Trans woman to trans woman, do you ever get tired? I'm always tired. I'm always fucking tired. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not kidding. Trans woman to trans woman, I'm, I'm a quarter hour past tired. Yeah. Of all of, of this. I'm tired of the stuff of the guff you get. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I think uh, the, the only thing I can say in response to that is anger is more useful than despair. That's one reason why I was glad to do something like this, because that way it keeps me, it gives me something constructive to do with how I'm feeling. I mean, on the upside, we've had a lot of trans joy. Today was trans joy for me. I'm just going to say that. It was. Today was trans joy for me. You make me blush. You keep that up. It, it's true, though. <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've had a lot of joy these these last couple weeks. Last week, I interviewed somebody who lives who lives near where I grew up, mm. right? Who's doing the job I did at age twenty three, on air news reporter, and they get to be their authentic selves doing it. In Des Moines, I'm Nora J S Reichart for Local Five News. We are Iowa. How big is that? That's amazing. Nora Reichardt, I love you, and I can't wait. And next year when I drive home for the family reunion, I'm stopping off in Des Moines and meeting you in person. We're definitely going to get coffee and talk about Spider-Man. It's... There's, I, there are so many Spider-Men now. Which, which Spider-Man will you be discussing? <laughs> just about all of them in one way or another. I mean, just on film, there's like four of them now. <laughs> Is it four? Yeah, there's yeah. four. There's four. And not including the multiverse. Hmm. Where my favorite spider, where my favorite Spider-Man is, Spider. I'll admit, I I told everybody on the podcast, I'm corny. I like Spider Ham. <laughs> now I'm I'm gonna avoid the trans culture thing of uh, making bad puns. I'm I'm just gonna the trans. That. If there is a trans girl stereotype that you know you live up to, what is it? Hmm. I, you know, I I don't know. I don't know. I I think I. Uh, I don't know if I do live up to the stereotypes, except maybe liking pink too much. Well, there you go. Maybe, that maybe that not. counts. Okay. Yeah. I, so I was going to say, like, I'm I'm not a hacker unless you count, like, sharp knives and stuff, you know, <laughs> outdoorsy stuff. Uh, tall socks, I do the tall socks thing. Cat girl, but, <laughs> but, but see, like, I'm not the, I'm not the, like, thigh highs and cutesy ears cat girl. I'm like the eating a whole smoked mackerel in my car like a disgusting goblin cat girl. <laughs> You know. Yeah, you're doing golem voices during the during the. Oh yeah, I needed that caffeine. <laughs> you did not just I do did, that. I did. I did. Well, I can't do. Well, folks, y'all can y'all can honk your horns all you dang well want. Just drive through the bus, Carly. Uh, oh just yeah, drive, drive through, through, through the, bus. the bus. Welcome to New York. Drive through the damn bus. I can't drive through the damn bus. This is why I like taking the train. 
But for you, exit question. When it, well, two things really. What's the biggest thing you want, especially trans people, to take away from what's going to happen when it, when this thing when this thing drops? And for, and secondly, when are we going to see you in that cage again? I had a possible fight offer a couple days ago. It's taken fucking long enough, but I'm sorry. You can commit. No, not, uh, don't worry. We're, oh, no, come on. No, it's a. Uh, come yeah, on. This yeah. is a, this know. is an LGBTQ sports say. Yeah, right. We can cuss right. here. <laughs> um, but no, I, I had a possible fight offer a couple days ago. Um, the the potential opponent is healing from an injury. Said she'll be ready to go in December, um, but she actually reached out to me. So uh, fingers crossed. Um, maybe maybe sometime early next year. Um, that, that's my hope. And, uh, as far as the documentary and everything, when this comes out, um, the takeaway, what people, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know what I want people to take away from it, to be honest. I think, uh, I mean, I, I, I think they're probably going to try to, the, the documentary itself, I'm, if everything goes well, they'll try to sort of lionize me and make me out to be some kind of hero. But I mean, I'm, I'm not that fucking special. Just want to compete. Just want to take care of my friends, take care of my community. That's that's what matters. You probably heard how I feel when I was running my mouth in there. I was a little bit surprised. But no, I do want to say this now that I get a chance to meet you in person. Thank you. Thank you particularly for a moment. When you took that trans flag down that walkway into that cage. But people, our people need to see that. There was no way I was not going to do that. <laughs> our people needed, no, I needed to see that. Yeah, I mean, Combate, they, they like they like doing the national flag thing. Uh, I mean, it used to be, like, that's a pretty common thing in MMA. A lot of people do, do the national pride. You know, I've got a lot more pride in being trans than I ever had in being American. And I know a lot of people will think that's controversial, but um, I... Okay. You know my politics. Oh, I know them because I have I have very similar ones. I think a lot of people are trying to say how much transgender Americans aren't American <laughs> right now. So, well, I mean, I, I hate to feed into that, but I, you know, if it, it's hard for me to support this settler, settler colonial imperial project, uh, I, I have strong feelings. Well, well, I'll tell you what, I got strong. Hey, I got strong positive vibes, feelings about you. I'm looking forward to, I am honored to be a part of this documentary. And hey, I'm honored that I finally got to see your face in person. This is huge. Alana McLaughlin, hey, thank you for being on Transporter Room, Room Trans Women Getting Coffee in Cars. <laughs> Should make and a special thanks to Alana McLaughlin for the time and just for being her. And to Mark Perez, Jacqueline McLaren, Armando Ortega, Annie Balibanez, and Gabrielle Sear for being for making that shoot a good, well done, well put together shoot. I can't wait to see what this documentary project on Alana McLaughlin is going to look like. They say it'll be out early next year. I can't wait. And before we go, Carly's last call. And I've gotten to do some more cool stuff since then. By the time you're hearing this podcast, I will be speaking to students at a local high school. I was invited by the school's GSA to talk about a few things, be a part of a panel discussion. And I always have a moment for the kids. And because 
This young generation, say what you want about them, they're out there on the ramparts for LGBTQ rights. Those voices that you heard earlier in those debates, they're talking. But these young people are imploring them. We need less talk. We need more action. Because, the, because you've seen it across this country in recent days and weeks. Some school board passes a piece of some anti-LGBTQ regulation. And these kids are getting out of the classroom and getting in the streets and saying, no, equal protection for all, for all our peers. We're going to fight for each other. We're going to advocate for each other. Yes, the kids are all right. But on Tuesday, I was a part of a different panel discussion. We were talking about, you know, experience being trans and affirming health care and some of the issues. But it was in front of a demographic that many people think wouldn't be supportive. But you know, this demographic sneaks up on you. And many of them are surprising allies. I was at a community center, which is also a senior center. And the audience was mostly senior citizens. There's perhaps maybe one person who was under the age of 50 in that entire room. And I'm pretty sure it was my a good friend of mine who was there who is an endocrinologist. Everybody else was over 50. Even me, and I'm just maybe a year over 50. But what I saw was people intensely listening, but also wanting to learn. I noticed one man in the in the front row with a notebook furiously scribbling notes, scribbling notes, and then afterwards come up to myself and the other members of the panel and was actually asking questions based on the notes just to make sure he heard what he heard. All with one focus. I want to know what I don't know. I got a number of people who came up to me. I'd say about 10 people came up to me and with this. My grandchild just came out. My nephew just came out. Yeah, my grandson, now my granddaughter. He's he he used to be a he and now he's a she. And I'm I'm not sure what I, I don't know any of this, but I know that I love that kid and I want to be there for them. Thank you for for teaching me something. Where can I get more information? Where can I get this? Where can I get that? I don't know. There's this one woman, I don't understand pronouns, but I got to start understanding. So where do I begin? At a time when there's so much sadness and so much worry, to be in that room, to be in that room that you didn't think would be energized for what you had to say, it was a pleasant surprise. And it really lifted my soul just that little bit more. But at the same time, perhaps I shouldn't have been surprised. You know, my roommate, they said something that was very important, and I've been really chewing on it. They said, you know, when you get to be a certain age and you know that your time may be short, you cut through the drama and you say, let's get to what's real. And I heard so many people in that room, a demographic that many say 
would be clueless about all this, willing to get to what's real. And what's real for them is, I care about a grandchild who may be trans, who is trans. I care about a nephew. I care about a niece. I care about that kid that a kid that I love, being in a school, being in a neighborhood who just came at me. Then they said, my pronouns are they, them, or she, they, or whatever they are. I may not understand all of it or any of it, but I do understand that I'm going to do what I have to do and what, I, and what needs to be done to protect that precious young life. That's not being an ally, that's being an accomplice. You know something? The old folks, they're all right too. And that's the transporter room for this week. And just a reminder, if there's something you want to see on this podcast, something you want to say about it, or if there's someone that we need to be bringing here, let me know. Send me a message on our Twitter page. Send me a message on our Facebook page. Send me a message on our Instagram page, Transporter Room 10 Forward. Everything I do here at the Transporter Room, I do for all of you because you're the people who support us. That's the Transporter Room for this week. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. Live long and prosper and study as she goes. I'll catch you all next week.